This special episode is an audio archive of the UK Games Expo panel EN Publishing Q&A, originally live-streamed on Saturday, August 22nd on the EN Publishing Facebook page and on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash enpublishing. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the UK Games Expo. We are EM Publishing here for our Q&A. Uh, my name's Jessica. I'm the Publishing Administrator at EM Publishing, but I'm also here with some other far more interesting people who are asked to introduce themselves. So I'll pass you over to Russ now. So, Russ, Sorry, are you... Uh... My apologies. <laughs> I have on a delay on a different screen. I've just turned it off. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I am uh, Mike Myler, and I'm an American game designer from Pittsburgh in, in the USA, and I'm famous for inventing the number seven. Is that good? No, I mean, it would be better if you could, could you do your actual name? So, I mean, I, d I don't know, just a little thing maybe might be useful. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm Morris, or Russ, aka Russ, and I, um, I run EN Publishing at EN World, and this is kind of all my fault, I suppose. Yeah, that's fair. That's pretty much fair. Um, so, we move down to Mike, who you pretended to be a second ago then, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Mike Myler. I'm a game designer in the USA. I invented the number seven. Also, oxygen. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. no, I mean, like, I don't want to boast, but I try, you know. Uh, but no, really, I've been at this uh, RPG stuff for like seven years. I've worked with the Publishing for five of those years. And um, more recently, I became the editor of E-Insider two years ago or thereabouts. Um, and then... Um, I've helped with our, our uh, successful Kickstarters, uh, with the exception of Judge Dredd, which is only an ancillary help. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I write a lot of content and commission articles by people and uh, all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Pretty good. And we'll, we'll delve into what those things are in a bit more. But first, there is another person here uh, who I'd like to introduce as Mark as well. So Mark, do you want to take it away? Yeah, thanks, Jess. I think it's a little bit unfair of yourself to say much more important people because we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you in the background there. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that. But yeah, I'm the line manager over here for the uh, Just Red in 2000 AD. So I get to walk the streets of Mega City 1 and uh, explore the galaxy uh, on Russ's behalf. That's a pretty cool job description, so I like that. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the team we're going to be having talking about today. Uh, later this afternoon, we do have a 2000 AD kind of Q&A later. So I think today we'll mostly be focusing on more of the other stuff than we do in specifically 2000 AD. But if you're interested in that, if you uh, log in later at three o'clock, uh, some of these familiar faces will be back. Um, during this live stream, we'd really like it if you could comment and ask questions. Otherwise, we'll just be awkwardly sitting here talking to uh, amongst ourselves. Uh, as you can see on the banner, if you comment, you can win a shiny, shiny new book. Uh, so we recently did a Kickstarter and there's a deluxe version of the Masterclass Codex, which Russ is getting now. It's a nice... Uh, well, actually, Russ, do you want to talk about it? Because you, you actually worked on it. Yeah, I, I don't have the deluxe one. It's, it's being printed right the, now, that's why. Yeah, yeah. This is the standard copy. When I invent my time machine, then I'll have the deluxe one. But right now, mm -hmm. this is this is the standard one. So, uh, Mike, you can talk about it. You're the, it's kind of your baby, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so over two years ago, uh, Russ was like, hey, can you start making articles about like mythological characters uh, on yenworld.org? Uh, so I did. And it became quite a popular column uh, that I do every week now. And uh, we, well, we're at like 120 or 130 some figures. And uh, Russ was like, "Let's make a book out of it." And we did. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's filled with. I didn't say it quite like that, though. But... Yeah, no, it's it a longer, simmering build to that. But eventually, that's where we got. 
The way I said it was way cooler. Yeah, and he had like stuff exploding from behind him, and doves were flying, and like sunglasses were involved. Doves, yeah. Yeah. Fine. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so if you would like a copy of that game uh, for free, uh, the deluxe version, which is being printed right now as we speak in Europe, uh, if you just leave a comment on the stream uh, and then you'll be entered into it. And at the end of the hour, we will announce uh, who has won that. And uh, then it doesn't look it's, like that. it's got like no. a faux leather cover. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely, lovely book. And now of them either. We've only printed a small number of them. Yeah, we've done like a massive print one of them or anything. We printed a, a few for the Kickstarter, a few extra ones, and that's it. Definitely, yeah. So it's just, I think there's a couple of hundred, so it's enough to fulfill for the backers and then um, a few for us to keep because we wanted it as well. Mm-hmm. In fairness, I'm I think we all wanted a copy. I'm, I'm bidding a fort out of mine, Yes, obviously. Obviously. Okay, great. Well, we mentioned a few things there that are really interesting. Um, so I think the insider column that you mentioned, um, how does how does that work? So if people have no idea what you're talking about or what Patreon is, uh, Mike, how, what, what is that? How do we get involved with that? Okay, well, uh, at patreon.com slash E-N-S-I-D-E-R uh, is where it's located. But five, five, E-N-5, I-D-E-R, isn't it? No, no, it's I'm S in the, the URL. The yeah, yeah, the name is E-N-5. I know nothing. Yeah. It's it's cool. If you look up the insider with the five or the S on Google or Bing or um, DuckDuckGo, you'll find it. Uh, but uh, you'll also show you a couple of free articles. The way it works is it's sort of like a subscription service, right? Like every article we release, you give us a certain amount of money every month. You decide how much money that is. A lot of people, that's just like a dollar an article. Uh, we release five articles a month. As soon as you're a member, you get access to a whole backlog of 345 articles, I think it is now, uh, which is just an insane amount of content. So we, we say frequently it's the best D&D deal on the internet, and we stand by that because, like, you, you just can't beat it. That sounds pretty good, to be honest. All right. Um, so we've had our first kind of question, which is just about the uh, from Darren, and he's asked about uh, a timing for an Australian release. And I'm assuming he's meaning for mythological figures. So if that's the case, I can answer that. Um, so the books are currently being printed in Europe, and uh, they will be arriving here in the UK in hopefully the beginning of September if everything goes well in the world. Uh, and then we'll be shipping it out to our Kickstarter backers first. That'll be the regular version and the deluxe. Then we'll be going into retail once that's done. So it'll probably be like October, November time that it'll be available in retail. Is that fair, Russ? Yeah. Yep, he says yes. So Boss says yes. So that'll be available on empublishingrpg.com. Uh, so our website, so the details of that you can find on any of the streaming sites you're on or on our UK Games Expo page as well. Um, so yeah, before Christmas is the brief summary of that. And we've also just had uh, Darren Pierce, one of the writers for the 2000 AD RPGs, jump in. Hi, Darren. Uh, we'll be chatting to him later at three o'clock as well. So if you would like to have any questions for him about that, that'll be at three. Um, so the writing process for mythological figures, I think, because that's the most recent Kickstarter we've done, if we have a little chat about that. Um, so how, how did how did you briefly touch on how it came about? But could we, could we elaborate on that? What was that process going to look like for people that haven't done any RPG writing or anything like that before? What, what does that look like? Uh, it was a little atypical because normally I, I, I have to go drum up work. But uh, yeah, it was just something Morris wanted to have. So, And uh, the other part of it was um, it was like imagery that we could – because it's mythological figures, right? It's characters from history mm-hmm. and literature and, and myth, old, old pieces of artwork that – that will give us something because like any article needs to have some kind of image to it. Other, other eyes, no one ever looks at it. So um, like there's plenty of artwork around for Achilles and Boudica and, and Cleopatra and Anne Bonnie and, and just down the line. 
So, uh, yeah, it became a request list pretty quickly because I ran out of, like, monsters to do after I went through all the Lovecraft stuff. And, um, yeah, people come up and they say, hey, can you make George Washington? Or, you know, how would we build uh, John Henry and so on? And, um, yeah, we sift through those. And uh, I'm slowly moving down the queue. We're we're down to, like, under 100 suggestions at this point uh, left to do. And, um yeah, so there's two ways it goes. First, the mythological figures are built like if you were making a character for the game. So it's built, rules is written, 27, ability, 27 point ability by, um, and this many levels in the fighter class, this many levels in the monk class, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other half of the column is epic monsters where it's just not possible to do that because, like, you know, Grendel doesn't really fit into any of the classes, neither does Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so on. Uh, so they just get built like monsters and then double balanced using this really great uh, CR chart that the blog of holding made. They took the monster manual, broke down all the numbers and then re-engineered the, the challenge rating chart to be, uh, frankly, much more accurate. Uh, so, yeah. And then people will comment on like, I remember the Conan thread. It was like 28 pages of comments for people being like, this is how I would build Conan uh, yes. forever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, there's a lot of community engagement, which which I complain about, but it's fun and I enjoy. So I yeah. much prefer the Facebook comments. Is that oh, because yeah. you and I reply to them a lot, right? <laughs> well, you had a lot of fun with those, didn't you? I had loads of fun. With your one-person mission to tackle every single troll on the internet. I did, and it went super well. I fixed the internet. Yeah. I Have did. Heard- no, I think Russ is making a joke that... If you haven't seen our Facebook page, go on and have a look. And any of our major videos that have hundreds of comments on, if you're looking for a fun time, you can go through and, and read myself and Russ how we reply to trolls online. Um, I enjoy it very much, and so do other mm. people, apparently. I think somebody said they backed our Kickstarter campaign purely for the sass from the page admin. So there we go. <laughs> so it it won't put it on my CV. Uh, that'll work. Um, so... Obviously, uh, Mythological Figures is um, content for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons that you can add along that. Um, so, Russ, do we do other stuff like that at EM Publishing? Is it fair to we, say? Plug, plug. Well, well, well. Well, we did <laughs> a Touch More class last year. Was that the year before? It was a while ago. So that was that was our previous last year. Last it year. was last year. Yeah. yeah. And then we compiled that with which are two oh. books. Oh, Mike's disappearing. Mike's is bit. I'm just going to mute him till he comes back. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so two two books full of um, new um, new five um, E class. Oh, there we go. Aha, uh-huh. and there is the masterclass codex. That is the masterclass. Yeah. So this is this is the hardcover compilation of those two books, and it's got sixteen five yes. E classes in there. Like the alchemist that he's just yeah. There. Uh, and also. It is, and that is that is the deluxe version that you can win uh, in today's stream if you leave a comment. We've already had a few comments, like Mark's been very nice. He really wants that book, clearly. So uh, <laughs> uh, so if you would like to win a deluxe copy of that, just add your comment on either of the Facebook pages. This is on, on the live videos or on the Twitch stream. Mm. And the other thing, the other big 5e thing we're doing, other than all the insider stuff that we've been doing for years, <laughs> yeah. is we recently announced a little teeny, 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 teeny little project. You know, this thing's probably going to be the biggest thing we've ever done, and probably it will do, I imagine. So we're currently codenaming this. It hasn't got a title yet. So we're codenaming it Level Up. And it's basically you. It, what uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons was to the original Dungeons & Dragons. So it's a crunchier, more... I mean, I don't like the word advanced, but we use it just because 
that's the, that's the sort of just legacy term. But yeah. uh, a, a crunchier version with, you know, more player-facing options and more character customizations and, uh, you know, just like a, just a, for those people who like 5e, they've been playing it for like four or five years, and now they're thinking, I just like it, it's a little more complex. You know, it doesn't have to go sort of super, super, super complex, but just a little bit extra to, to dig into when you're playing. Uh, I should have, oh. We should add that it's, it's backwards compatible. And it's fully backwards yes. compatible with 5e, yeah, yeah. And we, only, we literally only just started, because um, we've been recruiting for the last week or two. We've pretty much got a good portion of our team in place now. Mm-hmm. We're only behind the scenes on Shadow talking away about... Um, designs and we've got some we've got some initial bits of work in already and stuff like that we're still we're still waiting on some a few more people so we haven't really launched mm-hmm. into it quite yet and the whole thing is going to be like this data-driven process so what we're doing is we're using like uh wizards of the coast and like paizo do and people like that do so well we're using playtest packets we're using big surveys uh you know we're doing we're doing it all you know by the book uh, uh like the first survey we did was like a broad broad overview where we just didn't di- dive into any uh topic in detail but we found out um for example that people were very keen on it being backwards compatible yeah very keen on uh meaningful um choices at each level of advancement mm-hmm. they're pretty keen on having stuff to do with their gold at higher levels which yeah. is something that you know 5e you know, you tend to, as, as you get into your sort of late teens and higher levels, you tend to have an awful lot of gold and nothing to spend it on. Do you know, I've heard this, but every single D&D campaign I've had, my group has been completely broke. And we've been like, we don't have enough money to use a portal to go somewhere. <laughs> like, so I don't understand this. It's like, yeah, we've got loads of money. We don't know what we're doing. I'm like, why is our GM just really stingy? Is that, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, David Smith. Really hate you. I guess he must. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, that's good to know that people that do have money in the D&D universe can spend it on something. It's good for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a whole survey full of like 20 odd different topics that we asked people yeah. about and then determine mm-hmm. whether people were really keen on them, really didn't want them. Like a new initiative system, for example, right at the bottom of the thing. Everyone's like, nope, don't want a new initiative system. Don't do that. So, okay, fine. We won't then. Okay. So is it fair to... So if people do have very strong opinions about this, uh, where is the best place for them to go to to give their feedback on this and interact like like you're saying they can? Oh, they should all email you, Jess, and uh, you can you can deal with it. Cool. Okay, so that's <laughs> Jessica at enpublishingrpg.com. But seriously, is there a forum, a forum on EN World? Yeah, or? yeah. so okay. we've got a forum on EN World and also keep an eye on the uh, Level Up website, which is levelup5e.com. Yeah, and that's where all the surveys will appear. So when we, because like the forum, there's a hell of a lot of people in there at the moment talking about a million different things. Yeah, uh, but the surveys are the structured way we're getting information when we specifically need to. You know, we put out a playtest packet. The first mm-hmm. one I think is going to be heritages, which were which is what um, were once called races. But yeah, every single company on the in the RPG sphere is dropping that term now. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, so heritage, cultures, and backgrounds. I think is going to be our first playtest package. Okay, yeah, cool. Big, big survey on that, and then probably tweak it based on that survey. Maybe another playtest package on that, or move. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. 
Cool. Um, I just put a link in the comments for everybody there. So if you are interested in that, there's a link to the website there so you can go and find more information on that. Um, Jumping back to mythological figures, um, we've had a question, which is quite interesting, uh, which I will pose uh, to everybody. So I'm going to start with Mark. And the question they've asked is, which of the entries in the new mythological characters book surprised you the most? It's hard to say, really. Um, I know what mine is. I was surprised to see Santa in there. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a surprise to see any of them in there because they asked for them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> asked for Santa. He's, he's surprising. He surprises you. You don't know he's there, and then suddenly he taps you on your shoulder. There you go. He is definitely the most surprising character in that book. All right, and fair enough. Best, and he has the best ability as well. I just love this one. So obviously you have to put this in the stat block because otherwise. But one of his traits is invisible. The invisible man is invisible. <laughs> It's worth saying. It's worth yeah. saying. Mm. All right, Mike, what about you? What was I know you're not you weren't necessarily pretty surprised by it because yeah. you, you wrote it. Uh but what was the most uh interesting kind of one one you enjoyed the most, maybe? Uh I think the most surprising because there were the you know I, I have a, a minor uh, degree in mythology, but that doesn't make me an expert by any measure. So I'm always finding out new stuff I didn't know about uh, in researching the other articles. And Baylor was the one that caught me off guard because when I think of the Baylor, I think of like you know, fly fools. But like the Baylor <laughs> is this like giant one-eyed general of Fomorians from Irish folklore, mm. and there's this like ton of mythology about him. And like I just had no idea. I thought it was like you know, big thing Gandalf fights the mines of Moria. So uh, yeah, the Baylor is what I would go with, are or Baylor. His name you're is trying Baylor. to say that a Baylor is based on a pit on a on a Balrog? That can't be possible. <laughs> That's why I was always mixing it up with about yeah. Wait, no, I don't know. Now, 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 yeah. Now I'm confused about which one I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You're okay. Right. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just in case anyone is not familiar with uh, this book that we're we're talking about here, I've just put a link to the Kickstarter with a, a lot of the details in. The Kickstarter has now closed. It will be available in retail in November, December time. Um, once we've filled all the Kickstarter backers. Um, but if you're interested, you can go and have a look in there so you know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, Mark, have you had a bit of time to ponder that question? Um, I, to be honest, I've had very little input in um, mythological figures. Um, okay. Having seen some of the chats in the background, though, I was quite surprised at one of the ones that had to be removed. But um, that's, yeah, that's probably all I could say about that. <laughs> Are we going to talk about Conan? Are we talking about Conan yeah, again? Just, yeah. <laughs> crazy barbarian, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's a if barbarian we, which is under licensing in the US, uh, I believe. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's the licensing. It's not the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, technically, we could do it if we only released it in Europe. I still think yes. we should have called it the Complex Barbarian, and then just that be it. <laughs> Replace Conan with Complex Barbarian in every entry. Everyone will get it. Like, but every other entry, someone's name, and that one isn't. I yeah. know it's tongue down. <laughs> I mean that that was like an option. Things, I don't like it when things are different. That's not <laughs> not allowed. Well, that's the case as it goes. Um, anyway, so I'm going to move on from that Conan discussion. And <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about uh, the fifth edition kind of projects and things we do, but um, that is not all we do. We actually have our, our very own system. Um, so what's old is new. Russ, do you want to talk a bit about that? Because you, you, you kind of were involved a little bit with that. Yeah, that's my baby, that one is. Mm-hmm. So we made that five or six years ago. I can't remember now. So it was a Kickstarter a while mm-hmm. back. So uh, originally it was uh, for two 
sort of fairly crunchy standalone games. And one of them was fantasy and one of them was sci-fi. And the idea was that you could mix, you know, 100% compatibility. So you could mix them and match them. You could take a wizard, stick him in a starship, or you could, you know, you could have the uh, Enterprise crew beam down to Hobbit Town or something. You know, you could mix them and match them as much as you wanted. And then Mike came along partway through the Kickstarter, because so the Kickstarter was doing so well. And uh, he said, well, you've got, you've got a uh, fantasy one, and you've got a sci-fi one. Why don't you do a modern action one? And I was like, oh, I can't do a modern action one. That's too much work. And then Mike went, oh, well, I'll write it for you. So that happened, and he wrote it. Uh, so it's now a three-book uh, system. So we've got uh, fantasy, sci-fi, and modern, all of which are completely interchangeable, so you can mix and match them to your heart's content, create any kind of big old mashup you want. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and then that, that system powers things like, uh, in addition to their own standard own games, uh, Judge Dredd in the Worlds of 2000 AD is powered by that system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got a whole bunch of sort of setting source books like Xenomorphs, The Fall of um, Somerset Landing, and uh, Spirits of Manhattan, which is nothing to do with Ghostbusters at all. And uh, a whole a whole bunch of sort of standalone sort of uh, campaign setting stroke adventure books, all based on different themes and genres and sort of yeah yeah based on movie tropes and uh, things you may have heard of. Sounds pretty good. Um, I think during lockdown, it is pretty it is pretty good. I like. I mean, I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, so during lockdown, I think a lot of people have started playing games online and a lot of people that are new to role-playing games kind of uh, enter with Dungeons and Dragons because it's kind of the, the most well-known one. Um, but Mark, how would you say if somebody's only new to role-playing, they've only ever played Dungeons and Dragons, how accessible or how, what's the transition like to playing, you know, what's old is new kind of games? Uh, I think, yeah, well, I think Russia's is a little bit unfair. I don't think it's a massively country. It's, it's, Fairly accessible system, I'd say. Um, your, your stat lines are still there, so you, you, there'll be recognisable stats or stats that you can you can relate to something from D and D, for instance. Um, but there's a there's a nicer spread, so you can apply your, your skills to something that's probably more intuitive in, in how you make the dice pool up. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's it's not overly crunchy. I think it's nicely accessible. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right there. It's about on a par with 5e yeah yeah because because that's um (laughs) had a nice little comment there uh so um (laughs) i think different is is the term we use Uh, i think the great thing about role-playing games is that there's there's so many different types and ones and you don't have to pick just one you you can play all the games you are limited only by the time that you have sadly you cannot play all the games i've tried it's impossible have you tried are you <laughs> so many games in my library upstairs so many games that i've never played and i know that i would never ever have time to play fair enough what game what, what? Right, put it this way role-playing games come out these days i think more than one a day so even if you played one role new role-playing game every single day the part of role-playing games that you can't play would still be getting bigger that's Unless you're playing more than one role-playing game a day mm. it's just maths Maths is hard. Just maths, <laughs> the laws of physics. Can't be changed. Yeah, so as I, as I, did, I mentioned um, a little bit before, a lot of people are playing games, role-playing games online, so it's kind of changed the way people play at the moment. So I don't, I don't know if any of you guys are playing games online at the moment. I'm in one of my fifth edition campaigns has moved online using Discord, but I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys play much online at the moment. Yeah, I'm playing a Pathfinder 2nd edition campaign right now. 
I'm not running it, I'm playing it, which is rare. I usually prefer to run games, but at the moment I'm playing in a Pathfinder 2nd Edition campaign and that, and we're using Zoom. Mm-hmm. And we're using well, we're going to start using because we uh, we 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 didn't know how to do it. Roll twenty as of next week. We oh, I've just, been using we, that. Yeah, we were literally just using Zoom, and that's kind of all you mm-hmm. really need, really. But um, yeah. roll twenty just adds the graphic element to it. Yeah, my GM has been doing loads of stuff with maps and music and all this stuff through mm. Roll Twenty, and that, it seems quite technical and dynamic lighting and all this yeah. stuff. So, we're, which is kind of fun. So, we're, we're going through this dungeon. If anyone hasn't used it, and dynamic lighting only shows you bits you've seen or you can see around the corners. And um, but yeah, we've been in a lot of dark dungeons, and my character can't doesn't have night vision, so that's been really fun as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I've been doing online games almost exclusively for years at this point. Um, I got one on Sundays, and then I got a wine game on Wednesdays, and then I'm starting another another Sunday afternoon game. And uh, Roll20 is pretty great, but dynamic lighting is like... Uh, oh, first of all, for Roll20, there's something called the Roll20 Virtual Tabletop Extension, the VTT extension. It's an app you can add on to Chrome. It's amazing. It makes oh, using wow. Roll20 so much better, uh, especially for the GM. So, like, Roll20 VTT extension, everyone. Um but yeah, dynamic lighting changes the way you play the game. Uh, so when you can like see the map or the, the GM is standing there you know, over the table drawing it out, uh, you have more knowledge and meta-knowledge going on than normal. So when you're stuck to like literally only the corridors that your character can actually see, you'll see a difference in the way that the players approach the game and different dungeons and encounters. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Sounds pretty fun. Are you playing much at the moment, Mark, or just, just, just writing stuff, getting stuff ready for 2018? Just- yeah, just writing stuff and well, really at the moment reviewing stuff. Is, uh, the writers have been on the ball actually, um, getting things in. So we've kind of developed the process over the uh, over me coming into the into the system, um, mm-hmm. and it's really flowing smoothly now. So yeah, we, we've really lots of lots and lots of stuff to review, which is Mark's awesome. not allowed to play games. Two games, two games during <laughs> lockdown, I think. Um, oh wow! One, one one being a five E game, which was which was a great little one shot, uh, and another one that, that I ran myself. Yeah, so. Not really playing much at all. Um, although I'm itching to get some Strontium Dog on the table. But. Yes, uh, the pre-orders for that have gone out, and your copy is actually on your way to you, uh, which I arranged yeah. earlier this week. Uh, that's fine. We got um, an announcement in our latest stream as well. So if you're watching this yeah. stream and you're a 2000 AD fan, you really need to watch this afternoon's stream because we're going to be announcing something cool. Well, that, yeah, that's for specifically 2000 AD. So I'm trying to hold off talking too much about that. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about today, so that's a little bit about EM Publishing, who we are and what we do outside of 2000 AD. It, and it is exciting for our stream at later o'clock, at three o'clock. So, uh, so wherever you're watching now, you can come back and, and see that. Just to let you know, Jess, uh, that's Ben, one of our writers. So he actually... <laughs> that's, why he's, uh, that's why he's excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so yes what was i going to say uh so yeah we've been talking uh, a lot about what we do but one of the things i wanted to talk about here was there's probably a lot of people watching that are really into interested in rpgs and are thinking about self-publishing their games or getting into being uh writers for that um so i wanted to talk about that process a little bit so you i obviously i'm not an rpg writer so i can't really mention much about that but i didn't know if you guys could each kind of talk about how you got started uh, and what that process kind of looked like for you. So if we maybe start with Mark and, and loop around the other way. Yeah, um, I guess for me, 
it really just started writing my own campaigns, you know, back back when I first got into gaming, so uh, early 90s, writing campaigns for my friends, and then I became the kind of default GM, and that's always stayed the same over the years. <laughs> so you kind of hone your own tools, really, but then then uh, back in 2014, there was a Kickstarter for Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition by Modifius, and we, I, it, was, it was one of the games back in the day that had taken us away from D&D or AD&D back then, mm-hmm. uh, kind of kind of blown up our uh, doors wide open on, on different genres. Uh, so I just kept knocking on Chris Batch's door and saying, you know, hey, just fancy me proofreading this or, you know, content reading this. Um, and then that developed into a little bit of writing. Uh, oh. And I started started attending conventions. And I, I know it's it's not the thing we can do at the moment, but mm-hmm. all I can really suggest to people is that if you have a chance to get to a convention and meet the people of, of that produce the games that you love, it's really great for us to be rewarding that way for somebody coming saying, you know, hey, I love this, all of that. But also it kind of makes you seen if you if you understand what I mean. So, <laughs> So it's you like know, networking, I, like with yeah, any networking, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, in fact, you know, same with same with you guys when I came up and, and Darren introduced me to yourselves up at Expo mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, get get to conventions when they're when they're available once again and get networking. Um, run games, you know, and and demo games if you can. And then that really led to Chris saying, "Oh, hey, hey, doing some writing." And then that <laughs> that led to me taking over the Mutant Chronicles line, and and here we are now. So it's all all just kind of naturally developed, really. It has escalated. But how how do you how do you approach uh, well this is probably going to be more for for us but I'm wondering how you approach a publisher without being annoying really because I understand if you're really enthusiastic about it so what are the ways to approach it in a kind of a professional way that's going to be received well Russ would you say mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> or how not or what not to do or what to do I, I, don't, know that, I don't know how to answer that without offending some will we will Wheaton's law is it will Wheaton's law here. <laughs> Well, okay, let me rephrase the question. So in an ideal world, if you uh, there was somebody that was uh, a new RPG writer, they hadn't had anything published yet, and they were interested in approaching Ian Publishing and saying, hey, I've got this idea, what would be the best way for them to do that? All right, best way the for ideal world. us particularly, and this is, I can't talk for other companies, mm-hmm. so every company works differently. Us okay. If you're interested in 5e, um, the best way to do it, if you've not written before, uh, mm-hmm. is to go by uh, Insider. So you go by a mic, and you know we've got we've got writers now. Some Insider writers now work for Wizards of the Coast. There's people like James Intracasso and um, James Haig and people like that. They now work for Wizards of the Coast. So it's, a, oh, it's wow. they, you know, uh, and like I, I believe uh, James Intracasso said I was like the first paying gig he ever had. Cool. So that's one way of doing it. And we also, uh, like on Level Up, we've got a few insider writers now uh, uh, are working with us on that. So that that's a good foot in the door. So you end up writing an article, and then if that mm-hmm. article goes well, you'll probably write a few more articles, and then you're sort of in, 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 on the radar for bigger projects. Mm-hmm. So that's the um, stuff. Yeah. Mark has uh, pointed out an important factor yeah, as well. Spiel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing is just keep an eye out for the open calls because, like, literally we did one for Level Up just recently, just, like, two weeks ago. Um, obviously, that one was a bit more geared towards experienced people, I would say. that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Insider's more, if, you, if, if you're a newbie, go to Insider. Level Up was more for we want, you know, people, proven experts now. Yeah. Is that just because they're, they're smaller articles, so it's less risk for us? So if we get one that's terrible, it's not like we've invested loads of time on it. We don't we don't put out any of them that are terrible. I'll send it back if it's that bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, there's a couple times where... You keep sending mine back. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, that's just... Uh... 
you know, keep an eye out for the open calls. Go via Insider. Mm-hmm. I assume other companies have very similar setups. Um, you mm-hmm. know, start on small stuff and work your way up. Yeah. So, Mike, what would you follow on for that? Seeing as you're the person that people would get in touch with if they wanted to, to get involved with Insider, how would that work? So, and this is a good advice for any publisher. If you're going to, like, actually get an idea across the board, uh, you need to have a good elevator pitch. An elevator pitch means that, like, we're on an elevator. Uh, we're going to the fifth floor. You have me stuck in that elevator for her, for that long. So you need to get me excited and confident in your like competency and to remember what the hell you're talking about later uh, in mm-hmm. that small period of time. So get good at elevator pitches. Have lots of ele- elevator pitches ready. Polish them if they don't go over well the first time or second time. And uh, yeah, like make me confident that you know what you're doing. You're going to turn in your work on time. I'm not going to have to worry about you. You're like a good strong resource for us to turn to yeah i mean um, the biggest biggest quality you can have is a, is a freelancer the most i think the single most important quality is reliability if you can turn your stuff in on time to spec mm-hmm. that is the most important thing that you can do because there's there's nothing that screws up um a publisher as much as like things arriving late and you're, you're sitting around because there's a whole chain of people then it has to be illustrated and then it has to be laid out and there's every there's a whole chain of people waiting and uh you know if, if one person's late it's a, it's a whole knock-on effect going on and if you turn over b work mm-hmm. i can improve that to be b plus or a or a plus work but if you're late mm-hmm. and super late with like a plus work it's totally worthless to me because yeah. like the train has left the station and your ticket is worthless now so another thing is don't turn over stuff that's too long as well sometimes you get freelancers yeah. you think they're doing you a favor you've asked them to do forty thousand words and they they, they hand in like seventy five thousand words and they're really nice about it so it's okay you only have to pay me for, for the forty forty thousand words we agreed i just couldn't stop writing so now you've got seventy five thousand words and that doesn't actually help. That just makes life more difficult. Because we've got to do either one of two things there. We've got to take a 75,000-word document and edit it down to 40, which is a hell of a lot of work, and hmm. adds weeks to our, our process. That's, or, that's what you do, Mark, a lot, isn't it? <laughs> or we have to retool entirely, and now we're hmm. having to illustrate and lay out an extra 40 pages, which is a whole lot of money we didn't have allocated. So, you know, don't go hmm. over the uh, thing because you're not actually doing anyone a favor so stick to the brief and be reliable when you get that opportunity i think i I do have one thing to add uh i got to work on the last like warhammer 40 on the black crusade warhammer 40k line from fantasy flight games because at gen con i went and i played in a black crusade game like i bought a ticket and stuff Mm -hmm. and um like i i gave my application and like my my cv and everything to the the like guy running the stuff there tim huckleberry and uh, I included like a small prop that I had made for my my table. It's like the Terrestis, it's like fake little evil chaos book, and it was you know just this like stapled together markers and stuff. But like it showed that a I understand Warhammer Forty K lore. I actually read the book, and I really really cared about the game and like mm-hmm. this application because I gave this like thing to him, and I got I got hired for it. So like you oh. know showing real passion and and stuff uh, can pay off, but like. Do it with a small token. Don't do it by like gushing out and and you know babbling for five minutes. And also, you should have a special dance ready. Yes. Oh, we the special dance. Special dances, How could we yeah. forget the special dance. <laughs> what does yeah. that special dance look like, Russ? Would you like you to demonstrate? You don't want to know. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right, then. Um, yeah, and just because we are live streaming the nature of it, we're going to have people jump in and out. So I'm just going to quickly do a little update for anybody that's recently joined or wasn't here at the beginning. Uh, so we are EM Publishing. We're um, a UK-based RPG publisher. Uh, so um, we're taking questions at the moment about RPG publishing. If you are an aspiring uh, publisher that would like to self-publish your works or you're looking to get into writing for other publishers, we're just having a discussion now about that. So if you'd like to put a comment uh, uh, in the stream there, uh, we will answer your question. Uh, also, if you put a comment, you'll be entered into our prize draw during the stream where you can win a deluxe copy of the Masterclass Codex. Uh, as you can see, Mike there has the uh, base version, the regular version of the Masterclass Codex. This one will be a special faux leather bound uh, book that's being made at the moment in Europe. So please do come in and ask your questions. Uh, we have Russ here who owns EM Publishing, uh, who is a, just the sort of person you'll be wanting to speak to about this sort of thing. Uh, Mark, who is a line manager for 2000 AD at EM Publishing and Mike, who uh, heads up the insider part of EM Publishing as well. And Jess is also here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just just to nobody, bring everyone back in. She I, I, I she's the troll slayer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She's the, the resident troll, troll slayer. Every, I thought that every British company required an employed troll slayer on the payroll at all times. Is that not? I, I, what, yeah. The stuff that Jess does, I think it's it's that job that never really gets spoken about in RPG yeah. companies. Yeah. Everyone thinks about the writers and the artists and all this stuff, but yeah. the stuff that Jess does. Every company needs someone like Jess, and the, the I mean seriously, it's it's such an important part of the job. And it's mm -hmm. if you want to get into RPGs, and maybe writing's not your thing. I think what you do, exactly what I do, yeah, yeah, what you do, which is you know you'll deal with printers and shipping, and you, know, you you set all this up for us today, and you know you do an awful lot of the sort of behind the scenes background stuff. Yeah. And every company needs one because without that, the company just stops. I mean, it, it's true. We t I think the reason you, you hired me, Russ, but, but when, when, well, my interview told me the reason anyway is because you started an RPG company because you wanted to write and make RPGs. Uh, but when you're running an RPG company, so much of your time is doing all this business administration bits and pieces and your time was getting eaten up doing that and you weren't actually doing the thing that you wanted to be doing. <laughs> Yeah. So, these these um, days, my time's just eating up with people asking me to do payroll out of time constantly. I'm streamlining that. Oh my gosh. I only <laughs> ask you on the 15th. <laughs> Bit of fun back in the background. Yeah, but uh, for, for those of you that, that, that don't know who I am or why I'm here, um, I'm the publishing administrator at EM Publishing. So my job is to pretty much do all the stuff that Russ doesn't want to do to keep the business running. Uh, is that is that really fair, Mark? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of the administration. It's setting up these streams. It's dealing with the printers. If you're on Kickstarter, I will be uh, doing the fulfillment for that. So you might have a message from me chasing you up to do your, your pledge. Or if you've had a, a non-technical game-related question, I'll probably get back to you about that. But... Um, uh, and Mark is correct. I am the barbarian of the group. Uh, is is pretty much the summary of what I do. It's the red hair. That's what brings it in. Um, but I would say that to people as well. If you are really interested in RPGs and you're passionate about them like I am, but you are not a writer, like I am not, then uh, getting into the industry uh, for working for a company in, in in a way that has your skill set can be a really good way to be involved in it. Because it means I get to be involved in all these games. I get to spend my days talking about them. I get to see like early previews of stuff uh, with in no way being talented or creative. At writing games. So if that's you, <laughs> at writing games. 
I wrote a very mean blog post. I did. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But anyway, so that's kind of what I do. But moving back into kind of uh, people that do want to do that creative side of the industry, because I think that's probably what a lot of people are more interested in doing. So if uh, somebody was interested in, um, they have a game and they're not just wanting to sell it to another publisher, um, they want to kind of create their own. How, how, how do you get started on that? Because that's a whole different process for us as well. So where, where did you start with, how did Ian Publishing start? Well, the thing is, things have changed so much since then. Yeah. Because we've got... Uh, it was like 1920 like, when you started, wasn't it, or something? It was... Oh, no, I'm fired. <laughs> no. Thanks All right, I'll end the stream. <laughs> Thanks for the time machine, that was. <laughs> Mike um, laughed. Mike laughed, honey. What was the question again? So how did Ian Publishing start? And um, what maybe if you can explain how that happened and we can compare about why that's different to now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's totally different um, to now because these days you've got things like Kickstarter and you've got uh, drive Through RPG, which mm-hmm. when Ian Publishing started drive through rpg didn't exist so okay. um so self-publishing was a lot harder um yeah. now the barriers of entry have come down significantly <laughs> which basically means that we, we've entered this kind of golden age of rpg publishing where basically anyone can get into it and that means that's why we've got so many amazing games and so many um companies that have been built up over the last few years now that you know that we're, we're really you know spoiled for choice so these days really kickstart is your friend really is um kickstarter is amazing it's been a massive massive boom to the industry it's the it's the you know it's just like open the doors for so many small companies i mean even even like people like monty cook monty cook games um mm. was pretty much founded off the back of their first big successful numenera kickstarter which did like half a million dollars or something like that so even like really big famous people it's uh you know, it's helping them start up companies, let alone, let alone mm. um, you know, people who are new to the industry. So, yeah, um, Kickstarter, Kickstarter I, that's basically the biggest piece of advice I can think of. Kickstarter is your friend. As long as you do it right, mm. as long as you don't. And how yeah. how would, uh, and I'm going to open this up to everybody to jump in on. So I'm running an RPG Kickstarter because I think everyone's kind of got ideas and a little bit of experience in this uh, here. How how do you approach that? What is the right way to do that? Research and marketing. <laughs> research and marketing yeah uh yeah i mean start yeah <laughs> you start you, you're going to make sure that you have a strong launch which means you need to make sure that you are doing your marketing well before your kickstarter because like you know, six weeks the minimum side, like, yeah, the other side of what i do is the new <laughs> platform, the and the number yeah. of times i'll get an email from someone saying oh our kickstarter ends in six days and um, we haven't made our goal can you help us get the get the word out and i was like it's too, it's too late. It's too, it's too late now, mate. It's, you know, um, you know, you should have sent me this a month before the Kickstarter yeah. even launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get so when when your Kickstarter actually launches, there's people waiting for it. Yeah, because they do have a button now on Facebook where you can yeah. um, you can say notify me when this launches. So that's, yeah, that's a really a, that's a new thing. Yeah, that's useful. only coming in the last year. So I think that's cool. So if people have a Kickstarter coming up. Um, they can get in touch uh, with us on EM World to let us know about it. I'm just pulling up the correct contact details because I know there's a specific one where we can uh, that'll be can Egg do Embry that. Is, uh, is our Kickstarter column. The one. Well, just, I'll link to the page, and if you go onto the contact page, you can find um, Egg's details on there. So if you are planning on launching a Kickstarter in six weeks' time, an <laughs> RPG news site might be a good place to um, to, to promote that. 
for example. Okay, so it's planning it in advance and building kind of an audience uh, beforehand. And I think it's fair to say being involved with the games community, like Mike was mentioning, going to conventions, knowing who people are, um, will really help you out with that as well. So that's a really good thing to do. So marketing beforehand. So what else is in the actual campaign itself? How, how do you structure a good RPG Kickstarter campaign? Well, we do ours a bit differently. So I don't know whether the way we do it would necessarily work for other people. Because we don't do... Okay. I mean, I'm sure everyone who, who's used Kickstarter knows what stretch goals are. And they are a really, really good way of generating in, uh, interest in your, in your campaign and a really good way of making sure your fund title, total is going to be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does... Stretch goals do it, but we don't do that at all. We just... Um, we're not interested in money. We like to have Kickstarters that don't make loads of money. So we don't do stretch goals. The reason we don't do stretch goals is because the problem with stretch goals is, well, it's awesome that while you're running a Kickstarter, everyone's going, oh, can you add this in if you if you hit this this number of dollars? This stretch this would make a good stretch goal. Every stretch goal you're adding mm-hmm. is increasing the delivery time. Yeah, because you've got to write it and yeah. make it and so, so yeah. Hear, hear about these Kickstarters out there where people are like, it's, it's two years on and they're still working on those stretch goals. And they don't want to be doing that. They want to be on the, moving on to the next thing. Mm. They've got they've got ideas. They've got projects. They've got things to do, and they're they're, they're stuck doing these stretch goals for years at a time. Uh, we you know we uh, pretty much Kickstarter's over. We're all mm-hmm. sent out. We're done. We're on to we're on to the next thing on our yeah. on our list of things to do. So we don't do the stretch goal thing at all. But that is a that is an option if uh, if you want to do that. And That's also, we I mean- told, also, we get told we're stupid for not doing stretch goals quite a lot too. Yeah. I mean, we have stretch goals, but we don't have traditional stretch goals. Well, Our I stretch call them, goals are I like call them stretch rewards. You see, they're, they're slightly different. Yeah. yeah. They're things that we've already created. So, for those who are not familiar, what we kind of do is, if we hit X amount of target, we will give you uh, a free little kind of supplement PDF uh, of of something immediately um, and you get that kind of straight away so it's quite nice for our backers it means during the campaign they are getting little yeah. kind of bonus bits and pieces uh, as, as it goes through which is quite nice yeah. uh, and, stuff that we're promising to make later is stuff that we've got we've made and we say well, yes you can have this if we reach say fifteen thousand dollars you can have it yeah uh, so we've had a question about about uh, would we consider doing what others include as stretch goals as completely different Kickstarters or quick starters? Then? Quick starters, quick starters. We're doing a quick starter. We've done a quick starter. And oh wow! Quick starter. We've got a quick starter starting on the first of September, which is the week Tuesday. Week Tuesday, mm-hmm. and that is for sixty-five enchanted trinkets for five E. I love enchanted five. trinkets. <laughs> a collection of five PDFs. Uh, each of which has sort of between ten and twenty, um, ten and twenty uh, trinkets on there. So these are magic items that you know we're not talking dragon lances and Excaliburs and stuff like that. We're talking little things that will add a bit of magical flavour to your game, but they're not going to derail your campaign. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's going to run from September first. It's about two weeks. Well, not about two weeks. It is two weeks long. Uh, digital only. You get the rewards like we always do immediately upon completion. So it's going to be yeah. a little one. It's not going to be like a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be yeah, two or three thousand pounds, I expect, or something That's like that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing that in a in a week or two. So yes, quick starters are an option. So I'm assuming that's not going to be for a full thirty days. That's going to be available for yeah, people. It's going to be two weeks. My, my thought at the moment, weeks, I'm yeah. trying this out as an experiment, but I'd like to do one of those a month. Oh wow, 
we're going to be busy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they're kind of they're kind of if they're digital only, they're, and it's all stuff that we've already made before. It's kind of oh, quick digital and easy only. To oh, yeah, so that's true. There's no, yeah, there's no massive overhead to them. Yeah, if people are interested in in what that sort of thing is, obviously you can subscribe to the the Patreon for Insider. Um, and their kind of access there. So every month this sort of thing kind of appears anyway. And on our site, empublishingrpg.com, we have uh, kind of individual, we've got a lot of these kind of uh, enchanted trinkets on there as individual items. Obviously, this bundle will be far more cost effective. And so if you're interested in that sort of thing, it'll be better to go via the quick starter. But if there's only like one thing you want, then maybe spend, you know, a fiver getting the one thing. You can do that on the website to download as well. Um, way way more cost effective on the Kickstarter, like five times more. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, we uh, so we we've got about ten minutes left to so going through. Uh, so in about five minutes, I'm going to be announcing who has won the shiny, shiny uh, deluxe version of the Masterclass Codex. Uh, so if you have any questions, please jump in now. Will it be Hudson? If he comments in the next five minutes or so, yes, it could be. Hudson is Russ's dog. For those unaware, he's not got a. Anyway, uh, so if you have a question... Where was that going? Uh, it's anyway, so I'm going to move on to another question. <laughs> so uh, we have some questions here. So uh, for a first-time creator, would it be worth looking at any of the other crowdfunding sites or just Kickstarter? Um, so this is kind of an opinion piece. So what, what my personal thoughts would be Kickstarter is uh, has a larger audience. So and when you're crowdfunding, you're wanting to have the most people as possible having a look at that. You've used Game on Tabletop before, haven't you? I have. I was just about to start talking about it. So um, Game on Tabletop is a very similar service, but specifically tabletop games. And uh, they're local to uh, France, I think it is. So it's a much more of a European market. Uh, but it's getting better all the time. And from the like project creator side, it's uh, it's so much better. It's just so much better. It's Kickstarter is like like crayons on the wall yeah. compared to. It's got a built-in pledge manager, hasn't it? Yes. So it's yeah. Game on, yeah. You can go through from the whole crowdfunding aspect straight right into the pledge manager aspect. Mm. It's, it's ideal. It's perfect. And Remind just like the control over how everything looks and like your your ability to display products and convey information is so much better on Game on Tabletop. My, my feeling, though, is Kickstarter's larger audience still is yeah, it's uh, still overwhelmingly large an advantage at the moment. Yeah. What I would suggest doing is maybe doing your first one on Game on Tabletop, getting a small audience there, and then doing Kickstarter 2, because there's nothing stopping you from doing both. A lot of companies do that. I've done that. That's true. But it means means doing all the work three times over, if you do Indiegogo as well. I mean, I threw Vast Cavi up on there for two weeks. It took, I already had the page done. It might have took me like a night. And we pulled in like six or seven grand just, and it was already done. Like, why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true, that's true. I've not had too much success with Indiegogo, actually, at all. Okay. Yeah. So Kickstarter. So there you go. It's different opinions, and I think different uh, sites might suit different projects. It's fair to say as well. So maybe do a little bit of research about what it is you're doing and what projects have done well on those different platforms. Mm. Uh, so like we're saying, uh, we do have another question as well uh, from David. Going back to if you wanted to be a writer for a company, uh, so he's saying specifically with regards to writing for EM Publishing, would you be more responsive to something related to an existing line or an original project? Uh, existing lines. There you go. <laughs> so, like, if you if you want to apply or pitch to Ian Sider, it works like this. Give me your email, and then I'll do a pitch call. There's normally three, four, five pitch calls a year. 
Uh, everybody sends me their pitches. I blind everyone's pitch, and then I score them out. And I'll specifically tell you, like, look, I'm, I, we don't need any more classes. We got like 16 full classes. We're done on classes for now. We don't need more classes. I want enchanted trinkets and like spells or this or that. that, that. And those are the ones that you're going to get most. You're most likely to get accepted as pitch because I'm specifically looking for them to set up a schedule that, like, you know, the readers recognize so they know what content's coming and, and what they're paying for. That sounds good. And how would they get in touch with you to get on that kind of newsletter? I have an email that I think is uh, iansider at ianpublishing.com. Is that what it is? The mirroring one? Ianpublishingrpg.com. If you go onto ianworld.org, uh, you will you find go. and go on the contact page you will find Mike's details there and I've put the link in uh, the comments there so if you scroll up you'll see EM, uh, EM Publishing has printed enworld.org and there's a contact page there where you can get in touch yeah, with Mike yeah. if you would like to be Inside, part of that uh, insider with a five at enpublishingrpg.com that's your email address Mike there you go I'm also on Twitter at Mike Myler too oh as is on the screen so you yeah. can also do the tweeting yeah. uh, so <laughs> I sound like it's an old person. Do the tweeting. Um, I'm very young and technically with it. Okay, cool. So we are at that time. We have a few minutes left. Mike laughing at me. Uh, we have a few minutes left. We've had about 40 or so comments, so I'm going to go to a random number generator. I have a list of everybody that's commented, and I'm going to uh, do the prize now. So I'm just going to hold on for a moment. So if you wanted to get any last questions in. Nope, it's closed now. Boom, done. So ready. I'm going to generate the number now. Are we ready? Drum roll, somebody. Okay, so it's going to be number 23. Which is? I'm just going through the list, getting to 20. I thought she muted herself. I was like, what? Yeah, I did, yeah. 12, 13, 22, 1. And it is Mark. This was comment number 23 coming along. So, Mark, I hope you're still in uh, the stream, in the comments. If you could please email me and we will get your details so we can post you a copy of that. Uh, the, the book should be released uh, well we should have it in the UK next month so we can send that to you next month so if you email me jessica at enpublishingrpg.com I'm just typing that into stream there so Mark if you email me uh, on there and we will get you your copy of the book congratulations for winning by just being here and participating so uh, I would like to say thank you to everybody that's come along and participated here thank you to uh, Russ for coming along spending your time to Mike and to Mark for having a chat uh, myself uh, Mark and Russ will be uh, live streaming again today at 3 p.m British Standard Time uh, talking about the 2000 AD line so we'll probably be asking Mark a lot more questions because uh, that's kind of what Mark do. Uh, but um, yeah, we will see you later. Uh, thank you very much. So guys, do you want to have any last comments or things to say goodbye on? No, nobody wants to say anything. They're all done. Say, no, I think we're all good. This is great. Thank you. That's great. Okay, guys, thank you very much for joining us live. If you are not watching this live afterwards and you have any feedback, uh, this is our first time doing live streaming for the UK Games Expo. Uh, so uh, open to any comments or feedbacks on what we can do uh, you know, for our next live streams if you'd be interested in seeing more of this. Uh, but uh, all I think is to do now is to say goodbye. So uh, we'll say bye now. Thank bye. you very much. Bye. Now. bye.